بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم عن ابي محمد الحسن بن علي بن ابي طالب سبت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وريحانته قال حفظت من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم دع ما يريبك الا ما لا يريبك دع ما يريبك الى ما لا يريبك رواه الترمذي والنسائي وقال الترمذي حديث حسن صحيح بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه وبعد we move on straight away to hadith number 11 of the 40 an-nawawiyah after we did hadith number 10 yesterday this hadith is very very similar to the hadith of an-nu'man ibn bashir radiyallahu anhu the hadith of an-nu'man ibn bashir is inna al-halal bayyin wa inna al-haram bayyin wa baynahuma mushtabihatun la ya'lamuhunna kathirun min an-nas the first similarity is that this hadith uh, talks about the things that we are supposed to avoid especially if we are not sure whether they are permissible or not permissible the second similarity is that this hadith is narrated by another young sahabi radiyallahu anhu we said an nu'man bin bashir radiyallahu anhu um, heard the hadith from the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he was about maybe 6 years old and this is hasan ibn ali radiyallahu anhu one of the younger sahaba radiyallahu anhum and he must have been around the same age when he heard this hadith from the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam so he says sibti rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam meaning hasan ibn ali radiyallahu anhuma is sibti rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam your sibt is the child of your daughter your daughter's child is called sibt while your son's child is called hafid waja'ala wallahu ja'ala lakum min anfusikum azwaja waja'ala lakum min azwajikum banina wa hafada hafada is the plural of hafid that is a grandson a grandchild from your son and a grandchild from your daughter is called sibt so this hasan ibn ali رضي الله عنهما السبط رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وريحانته وريحانته ريحانه is a type of plant i think in english it's called the basil it has a very very good smell and it's also used for medicinal purposes this plant is a very very <coughs> He loved Hassan, he loved Hussein, and he loved all the Ahl Bayt, the people of the house of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. To love the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam is a part of iman. But also to love the Ahlul Bayt, 
the people of the house of the Messenger وسلم, his children, his grandchildren, is also considered a part of Iman. It's a part of Hubbun Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In fact, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam counts Hassan and Hussein as Sayyida Shababi Ahlil Jannah, the leaders of the Shabab, the younger people in paradise. However, we have to be very careful. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said we must love and respect the Ahlul Bayt. But that does not mean we should elevate the Ahlul Bayt above the status which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. The right maslak, the right way to follow, is in between. We do not have to exaggerate. And at the same time, we do not have to disrespect them. We can't say they're just people like everyone. Yes, they are. But the Messenger wasallam demanded that we give them special respect because they are members of his family, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Some people have disrespected the Ahlul Bayt, the people of the house of the Messenger wasallam, to the extent of Kufr. And some people have over-respected them again to the extent of Kufr. To the point where Ali radiallahu anhu even becomes Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that. This is not what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa wanted from us. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa wants us to respect them, but we should not exaggerate this respect in the same way that even the respect of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa should not be exaggerated. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, لا تطروني كما أطرت النصارى ابن مريم Do not over-respect me. The way the Christians have elevated Christ, the son of Mary. Innama ana abdullah. I am a slave of Allah. Faqulu abdullahi wa rasuluh. Say a slave of Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa So if Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa does not want to be elevated above his status, then obviously the members of his family should also be respected but not elevated above the status which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. The people who follow the sunnah have been accused by some people of disrespecting the uh, members of the house of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They have cited a number of sheikhs whom they say do not respect the Ahlul Bayt uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But when you look at the majority of the shuyukh who have been accused of not respecting the members of the house of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I was reading a certain tarjama of many of these shuyukh. You find that their, their children actually were named after the Ahlul Bayt. Ahlul Bayt, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And for me, that's a mark of respect. It's a mark of respect. For example, you find a sheikh who is accused of not respecting the Ahlul Bayt, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Do a research. His children, he had Ali, he had Hassan. He had Hussein, he had Fatima, he had Ibrahim, he had Abdullah. All these are members of the house of Rasulullah And only one child did he call Abdul Aziz. The rest of them are Ahlul Bayt Rasulullah We give them respect, yes, but are we supposed to worship them? 
Are we supposed to go to their, to their graves in order to pray at their graves because they are members of the family of Rasulullah Wasallam? Rasulullah Wasallam at one point said, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, ishtaru anfusikum aw anfusakum fa inni la ugni ankum min Allahi shay'a. Ya Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, Abbas, his, his own uncle, I will not help you on the day of judgment. I can't. Ya Fatimata bint Muhammad. Fatima, daughter of Muhammad. Ask me of any money, anything you want in the world. But on the day of judgment, I cannot help you. And Rasulullah in a hadith says, وَمَجْتَمَعَ قَوْمٌ فِي بَيْتٍ مِّن بُيُوتِ اللَّهِ يَتْلُونَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَيَتَدَارَسُونَهُ بَيْنَهُمْ إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِينَةِ وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهُ وَمَنْ بَطَّأَ بِهِ عَمَلُهُ لَمْ يُسْرِعْ بِهِ نَسَبُهُ وجه الشاهد من بطأ به عمله لم يسرع به نسبه If your work is going to slow you down you don't pray the way you're supposed to pray. You don't fast the way you're supposed to fast. You don't do what you're supposed to do. The work slows you down. Your nasab, your tribe, is not going to push you. It can't. On the day of judgment, tribe cannot help you. You could be a member of the family of Rasulullah but if you don't pray, you don't fast, you don't do what Rasulullah commanded, what use is that? Tabbat yada Abi Lahabin watab. Abu Lahab is, is, in fact, in Africa, we wouldn't say uncle. In Africa, we would say father. The father of Rasulullah in Africa. Your father's brother is, is your father. Abu Lahab, same blood as the Messenger. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends a surah about him. Tabbat yada Abi So this nasab only helps a person who obeys Allah and follows the Messenger. So he says, سِبْطِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَرَيْحَانَتِهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا meaning him and his father, Ali ibn Abi Talib رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قال, He says, حَفِظْتُ مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ I memorized these words from the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم At what age? At the age of maybe six, maybe five, seven Because he was very young in the time of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم but through sitting in the majalis al-ilm, no matter how young, he picked up something very, very useful, which he transmits to the ummah, something that we benefit from today. In the same way that we benefit from the uh, hadith of An-Nu'man ibn Bashir, who should have been about six years old at the time of the Messenger Today we all complain about the younger people, especially the Shabab, the 18-year-olds, 19, 20, not being in the masjid, not sitting for the muhadarat and so on. There is a problem. In the first place, from the beginning, when they were 5, 6, 7, their fathers did not take them to the masjid to sit in the majalis of ilm. If I have a son, and my son is 7 or 8, and when I come for, for a muhadara, I bring my son with me, I ask him to sit down and follow the muhadara, if he grows up in such a manner, you think when he is 16, 17 years old, he will fail to sit in the masjid for a mahadara? He will not fail. But we don't do that. There are very few people that come to the mahadara with their children. Their children are helped in, in other ways. Nowadays we have uh, games, 
television, uh, football, other such things, the children are given these things. If a child wants PlayStation, the child is given PlayStation, television, everything. They're busy with other things and they do not have time for the majalis al A long time ago, you could learn something from a six-year-old. You could learn something from a seven-year-old. Today, what, what can you learn from a seven-year-old apart from cartoon and dancing? <coughs> These children of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, we are learning ilm today, seated in a majlis of ilm, talking about a hadith that was narrated by a six-year-old. And it's a full muhadara with a lot of content in it. He said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Da' ma yaribuk aw da' ma yuribuk lima la yuribuk aw ila ma la yuribuk Something which gives you doubt, leave it for something which doesn't give you doubt. If you want to do something and you find that your heart is full of doubt, you're not sure about it, leave it. Go for something that does not give you any doubt. Yesterday we were talking about kasbul risk, eating halal. If your provision gives you doubt about whether what you are eating is halal or haram, leave it. Stop. If you're not sure about your business and it gives you doubt, some people say the business is halal and others say the business is haram and it gives you doubt in your heart, leave it. Those are not my words. They are the words of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If it gives you doubt, da' ma yuribuk ila ma la yuribuk. Go for something that doesn't give you any doubt. If you want to make a decision in your, in your life, maybe you want to marry a woman and she fills you with doubts, your heart is not at peace. You're always doubting. Don't marry her. Go for something that doesn't give you any doubt. If there is a debate surrounding a certain person, a woman you want to marry, and people are debating whether she's okay or not okay and whatever, don't, don't get into that. Da'ma yuribuk, something which gives you doubt, leave it. Ila ma'la yuribuk, for something which does not give you doubt. Do you know Why? Because when you have doubt in your heart, it means the wa'idh, the advisor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in your heart is giving you advice. Listen to him. If you remember in the hadith of An-Nu'man bin Bashir, I explained that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave an example of, of this scenario. He said, you think of a man who is walking on a sirat, a path. And this path has a wall on the right and another wall on the left. And these walls have doors. And at the head of the path, there is someone calling, saying, come on the straight path. And behind him, at the beginning of the path, there is someone saying, go straight and do not open any of the doors. Because if you open any of the doors, then you will enter them. And once you enter the doors, you will be lost. Then Rasulullah said, The caller behind him 
is the wa'idh of Allah, the advisor that Allah has put in the heart of every person. The one who says, no. And everyone has that. That wa'idh is there. Subhanallah, Allah is so merciful to us. If he wanted, he was just going to leave us like that. But on top of everything, on top of the Quran, on top of Rasulullah and all the guidance that Allah has given us, he gives us an internal guide. An internal guide who says, don't. Even when you do something, you know this, this is wrong. The guide is already telling you, you're not supposed to be doing this. So when you have doubt, it means that guide is shouting to you. He's saying, don't do it. And the moment a person begins to commit haram repeatedly, that guide leaves their heart. He goes. He's no longer there. The man to say, watch out, don't do it, just disappears. He leaves the heart. You're on your own. And at that point, when you do something wrong, you don't regret. Why? Because that man is no longer there to say this is wrong. You chased him with your masiyah, with disobedience. There are some people, if today they go out driving and they run over a cat, and the cat maybe gets injured or dies, the next one week, two weeks, they're, they're not at peace. Thinking about the cat, a cat. Thinking, subhanallah, how, how could I kill a cat? Because it's not their ada. They're not used to that. But someone kills a fellow human being in the morning. And at lunch, you find him eating with a lot of appetite. You think this one has a wa'idh in, in his heart? The wa'idh is not there. He is, he's dead. If you killed a cat, you'll be worrying about, about the cat you killed. For the next couple of days, thinking about the cat. Subhanallah, how, how did that happen? And it disturbs your day. Your entire day is disturbed. Why? Because you ran over uh, a cat. The whole journey becomes a confused journey. Why? Because we hit a dog, akramakumullah. But someone kills a human being and he, he doesn't even worry about it. When it's time to sleep, he sleeps. No worry, no problem whatsoever. The wa'idh in the heart is dead, gone. That's the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created our hearts. The things which we acquire, the bad things, they put a seal on their hearts. So that the heart does not feel ma'asuya anymore. The first time a person, akramakumullah, commits zina, he is, he is such a guilty man. May Allah protect us from such bad things. But he feels guilty. Wherever he walks, he feels everyone knows what, what he did. And he comes to Allah and cries before Allah and asks Allah to forgive him because this is grave to him. But then, someone who's used to committing zina, zina 10-15 times, after that it just becomes something very, very normal, very natural. He commits zina and that's, that's okay with him. He doesn't have to worry about it. So Rasulullah says, ma yuribuk ila ma la yuribuk, Because... When you live 
things which give you doubt, we go back to the hadith of An-Nu'man bin Bashir, Your religion is safe, and your earth, your honor, your uh, respect is intact. وَمَنْ وَقَعَ فِي الشُّبْهَاتِ If you fall into the shubhat, وَقَعَ فِي الْحَرَامِ You're going to fall into, into haram. There are some people who care very little about what is halal and what is haram and they will spend their time investigating things that are optional. Uh, Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu was asked by someone about the blood of the mosquito, whatever that was about. A mas'ala that had to do with the blood of the mosquito. You know what he said? He said, they're asking me about the blood of a mosquito. After killing Hussein, radiallahu anhu. You come and ask fatwa about the blood of a mosquito, you're not asking fatwa about the blood of Hussein. They killed him. Anhu, and then in fatwa they come to ask about the blood of a mosquito. Why? Because To them killing Hussein is like killing a mosquito. Where when you kill a mosquito, how how much does that worry you? Who goes worried thinking, ah, that mosquito which I killed, Allah Mustah. Who thinks about that? So they kill Hussein radiallahu anhu and they don't ask about his blood, they come to ask about the blood of a mosquito. Somehow we're similar. You find some students who come with Masa'id, say, Sheikh, arguing, what's, what's more important, to uh, sit in the majlis of ilm or to pray two rakats nafila? What, which one is more important? Sitting in the majlis of ilm or praying the nafila? You tell them what's important is to pray Salatul Fajr. First go and pray the uh, wajib salawat, then come and ask about sitting in the majlis of ilm and praying nawafil. You ask about nawafil, you don't manage five times a day. Your masail should be about five times a day. When you finish five times a day, and you start the nawafil, now you can ask about the nawafil. You should not be asking about nawafil, you should be asking about wajib. وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدٌ بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا افْتَرَضْتُ عَلَيْهِ A slave will never get closer to me by anything more than what I've made wajib for him. Wajib is number one. Something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made wajib for you. Then after that you can ask about the, the nawafir. You find people arguing about where, where to put the, 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 the arms in, in salah. Where do we put our hands in salah? Sheikh, this mas'ala has confused me. Is it like this, Allahu Akbar here? Or is it Allahu Akbar like this? Or is it Allahu Akbar like this? Say the, 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 the correct one is to make ruku correctly. You don't know how to make ruku correctly and you're asking about this and this and that. This, this is not wajib. This is nafila, isn't it? 
to, to put the hands here or here or there or like this? Is it uh, uh, one of the wajibat of salah? Is it one of the pillars of salah? Why don't you ask me about ruku, how to make the correct ruku? Even if you put your hands correctly and the ruku is not correct, is the salah acceptable? But if I don't put my hands correctly and my ruku is correct, is the salah acceptable? Yes, it is. So why are you fighting over what does not affect salah and you're not talking about the things which affect salah? Yeah, I see some people say Allahu Akbar. Yeah, from here, Allahu Akbar. Others say Allahu Akbar. How, how does this affect your salah? The salah of the person who says Allahu Akbar, is it acceptable? Yes, it is. And who says Allahu Akbar, is it acceptable? It is. But what about the salah of a person who goes into ruku, Allah Akbar, and doesn't stand up nicely for some Allah and goes back into sajda? Is it acceptable? It's not. Ask about that. That is much more important. That is much more important. So this hadith is counted among the jawami'il kalim of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa You know the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa did not speak too many words. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would speak short sentences, but the sentences contain massive meaning. A lot of meaning. If this were to be applied in our lives, ma yuribuk ila ma la yuribuk. Anything which gives you doubt, leave it for something that doesn't give you doubt, the benefit would come back to us. As a jama'ah, as a mujtama'ah. We would not find ourselves in compromising situations. When this Sahabi radiallahu anhu came to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he didn't ask, but Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Jita tas'alu anil bir wal ithm. I know you've come to ask about piety. You've also come to ask about sin, right? He said, Bala ya Rasulullah, that's, that's what I want to ask you about. About birth, righteous, good deeds, wal-ithm, and uh, sin. He said, istafti qalbak. Go and ask your heart. You want to know the good things and you want to know the bad things? Istafti man qalbak. Go and ask your heart. The heart is mufti, yes, the heart is mufti. The heart knows what is good and the heart knows what is bad. Al-ithmu ma haka fi nafsik wa karihta an yattali'a alayhi nas The bad things are those which you find inside your heart and you do not want people to know about them. That is ithmu. Your heart will tell you. Istafti qalbak. وَالْبِرُّ مَطُمَأَنَّ إِلَيْهِ النَّفْسِ Something which is good, you find your heart is at peace, at rest. You're not worried at all. You know this is okay. There's, there's nothing wrong about it. For example, who, who feels guilty uh, to eat, for example, rice and, and halal chicken? Do you, do you have to look around to see if, if people are looking at you? Then, oh. Well, you feel very, very comfortable because you know this is good, alright? You only start looking around when you know mm, this, uh, this, this is not the right thing. So your heart is your mufti. 
Your heart is going to tell you the majority of people who ask questions already know the answers in their hearts. They know what is good and they know what is bad. What is good? You find your heart is at peace. Even when you do it, you know, Alhamdulillah. The moment you start doubting, this one explains this and someone else explains that. No, this, this business, no, this business. Uh, so long as your, your uh, intention is this. But even after the explanation, subhanAllah, you find yourself still, it's still there. You find it's still there. You keep asking, but this business, is it, is it right? Uh, someone says, no, it's, it's wrong. Well, it's right. But your heart, in your heart, you know it's, it's wrong. Right? You want me to give an example? Uh, you, you don't? You, you, you don't like examples? I'll give an example, inshallah. Uh, many people have asked me about buying stones from people you know are stealing from, from someone. <laughs> okay. You know they're stealing the stones from someone. You're 100% sure. You know they don't have a mind. All right. <laughs> they, they don't have a mind and the stone is, is stolen. Say, is, is this business halal or haram? I ask you, how do you feel in, in your heart? What, what does your heart tell you? Your heart must tell you something, obviously. Even before I, I speak, obviously your heart tells you something. And for you to, to come and ask about it, it means you have trouble in, in your heart. Not so. Because those who have shops in town and selling, whatever, they, they don't come to ask about such. But for you to come and ask about it, it means you know somewhere, somehow, something is wrong. Not so. Well, the hadith, the answer has come today. The answer is here today. Da ila mala If it gives you doubt, leave it. Go for something that, that has no doubt. And I ask you, honestly, is there no other business? Molana Bilal, isn't there another business? There is, inshallah. That's all. Wa ardullahi wasi'a. Alhamdulillah. And risk is in the, in the hands of Allah. What Allah wrote for you, no one can take it away from you. If, if the whole world were to come together to try and grab what Allah wrote for you, they will never take it away from you. And if the world came together to try and give you something Allah didn't write for you, they cannot do it. Rufi'atil aqlam wa So this hadith has come at a time that's appropriate. When we were just talking about Makasib al-halal. Yesterday, we mentioned the hadith, وَذَكَرَ الرَّجُلُ يُطِيلُ السَّفَرُ أَشْعَثَ أَغْبَرَ يَمُدُّ يَدَيْهِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ يَا رَبِّ يَا رَبِّ وَمَطْعَمُهُ حَرَامُ وَمَشْرَبُهُ حَرَامُ وَمَلْبَسُهُ حَرَامُ وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامُ فَأَنَّا يُسْتَجَابُ لَهُ he asks, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb. His food is haram, his drink is haram, his clothes are haram, he is nourished by haram. How is Allah going to respond to him after the other? 